Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today we are going to be discussing a topic that I think a lot of people don't really talk about very much. Um, And if they do, I think they talk about it in ways that I would look at that would be inaccurate, um, just from my point of view and perspective and opinion on it. And what that topic is, is measuring your own self-worth. And before we get into that, I want to say, well, both Brian and I want to say thank you. We got a very positive response on our new podcast cover. Yeah. Um, this past week, we released it exactly seven days ago, I want to say. And so thank you for your support with that. Um, we really, really do appreciate it. Now on to our topic of measuring your self-worth. Go for it. Okay, so let's first talk about, let's discuss what each one of us thinks about these things. What, what is self-worth to you? right now so I think how I define it is basically how you look at yourself how do you measure if you're progressing or not as a human being and a spiritual being um, during your time on this planet right Uh, I think where a lot of it can get messed up for people is a lot of people measure self-worth based around accumulation um, and that could be accumulation of a lot of different things. And I think we'll talk about this more. But I think one of the big challenges that I see is so many people interpret their own self-worth or interpret other people's self-worth through an accumulation of success, wealth, creation of material possessions, all these things. And they don't really take into account things that I consider to far exceed any of that from a self-worth perspective. I, t- I agree with you. I tend to think that for those people maybe not understanding it clearly, like how this manifest at, manifests outwards in many of us, if we're happy with our self-worth or if we think we're really worth a lot or whatnot, I think it manifests as like happiness or unhappiness, confidence or no confidence sometimes. Like if, if I am somebody, for example, who is going through a tough time and I can't find a, you know, six-figure job, okay, right out of college, and but my friends have found jobs, okay, then I start to think that I am less than them. I start to compare myself, and I start to think less of myself. Okay? Comparison is the thief of joy. Correct. And so, but that's because I am measuring my self-worth by the wrong measures, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're right. I think society has put us, I think this starts when we're very young, is if you get 100 on your test, like you're such a good boy and like you're my favorite son. And, you know, if you get on president's list or honors roll in grade school, like, oh my gosh, you know, you you beat your brother at this or like, oh my God, you're my favorite daughter. You know, like this kind of this kind of reward system and like this adoration and appreciation and happiness with you begins at a very young age. And it's all based off of external insignificant factors such as grades how much money you're making, what kind of job you have, what kind of title you have, you know, when did you buy that huge mansion? You know, when, when did you get your first car? Like how quickly did you pay off your student loan debt? All these things start to come at you, you know, and society tells you and rears you and grows you up to teach you like, oh my gosh, good job. But nobody really asks you like, are you happy? You know, are you happy with yourself? Brian, are you fulfilled with yourself? Are you happy that you finish school or that you got this degree or that you pass this test or that you got this fancy job. And I think 
the way you're describing it, in my opinion, it's very important to specify with this. When you ask yourself, are you happy with this? You're not just talking about fleeting moments of happiness. Like you may be happy Mm -hmm. when you accumulate something or when you advance in your career or when you advance in some other type of thing that you're working on. There will be fleeting moments of happiness. Don't get me wrong. But are you fulfilled on a daily basis? Like if you took that out of the equation, are you still happy? Mm -hmm. Do you have those feelings of love and abundance inside of you on a daily basis and you're very calm and centered and content? To the point where people can just see that you're just very with it. You're very aligned regardless of what's going on around you. Yeah. And I don't have all the answers or we don't have all the answers because I can sit here and talk about self-worth. But even at 31 years old, I have good days and bad days. There are days that I feel great about myself. And there are days where I just can't get out of my own head, you know, um, just like you said, there are up and there are ups and downs in life. I don't don't really know of anybody and I haven't really talked to my parents about it in depth yet but I don't really know of anyone like Jeff okay speaking of self-worth we look at like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Elon Musk with no problems right but why do we think that we think that because they're so financially well off that they must have no issues I wonder what goes on in their heads does does Elon Musk think that he's like valuable does he is he happy with himself I guarantee you that there are things in his life that kind of slip him up, you know, or make him sad or make him upset with himself or just think like, oh, why can't I just like get this or like I didn't make it. I didn't get this. I didn't do this or like I failed at my marriage. With those examples, you know, I think there's something an interesting point of view to look at around when we look at these people like you just mentioned, right? Like they've created major innovation impact on our planet, right, in these different areas. But they've grown to such a scale that they have now created these innovations that have no doubt changed everyone's lives, but they've done it at the expense of harming other people, whether they like to think so or not. Because when your company reaches that mass amount of scale and has to drive to efficiency for shareholders, like if you ever read the testimonials of people that work inside Amazon fulfillment centers and their conditions, it's like slavery inside of this. It's terrible. And people have very outwardly spoken about that. So look at these people that maybe in society we would put on a pedestal because they've, they're have they this brilliant business entrepreneur. But in order to get there, their business practices to do it are leaving a lot of people in very, very tough situations. I know, but I don't even think that that's the problem of their self-worth. I think it goes deeper, even even beyond their work. Like, he probably goes to sleep at night and wonders, like, I failed at my marriage. Most of them have. I don't know. Not not Bill Gates, but what do we know about their inside story? But there's, like, things that, like, what I'm trying to get at here, it's a very convoluted topic and it's very tough to put in words. But what I'm trying to get at is two parts. One, the example I used just now was based off my programming as a child well into my adulthood of picking the richest people in the world to talk about their self-worth. Because I, too, am measuring them by their success. Their success is measured by an external factor. How much money they made. How well they did. How innovative they were. What great things they're doing in the, in the universe, in the world for people. And then you point out, well, they're also doing really bad as a result. By accident. I'm sure they're not doing it on purpose. No, they are. That's, they, you, that's, you, you, that's just business, though. You can't. 
you and I are not at that level in business where we're managing thousands and thousands of people across the world in our working force. You can't overlook every single thing. You can't oversee every aspect, every employee. That's very difficult to do. So whether they knew it or didn't know it is not really the question. I'm just saying that's not the point of self-worth. How is that connected to a self-worth? I'm saying that I pointed out the fact that I'm measuring, does he look at himself and measure his self-worth based on his success and money like I look at him? Or does he look in the mirror and see a failed marriage and my kids don't talk to me? So I think the way that I was perceiving that, when we were talking about just the career perception of self-worth, that they could be looking at themselves and saying, wow, I've, I've done all these great things, but at what expense, right? So it could maybe deflect and like bring down their own self-worth to say, yes, I've accomplished these great things, but the process that had to go into place for me to actually attain this has really hurt a lot of people as well. And so that may be something that they internally battle with also. Who knows? We don't know. But I also think, like you mentioned, like there's, you know, failed marriages and failed relationships with people that you're very close to along the way to get there. That's got to affect your internal, um, you know, conversations that you're having with yourself as well. I think the, the crust and like the meat of the whole topic is what are you using what are the metrics you're using to measure your self-worth you know and i think it starts with us it's one is like what the world looks at us as and measures our worth with and the second is what do we measure our worth with there must be two different things or maybe not and i think what we're trying to say in this episode is you should not let the world come up with their own metrics to determine your self-worth. You should have your own metrics for measuring that. And that should be very aligned with yourself. You shouldn't let the world tell you what that should be. And what I mean by that is, if you don't want it to be money, then don't let it be money. You know what I think is interesting is, I forget who said this quote, but I think it kind of aligns with the topic of your perception to others about your self-worth, like how people look at you. And there's this quote that says, people will forget what you did, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a it speaks volumes to this topic because I think it's very true. Like if you do good to others and you're there for people and you go out of your way, people are going to remember that. But they may not remember, oh, you were this very successful business person, right? They're going to remember how you made them feel in the moments that you were in contact with them. And I think that's really an interesting way to look at how maybe people measure self-worth when looking at you, not how you consider it for yourself. That's a quote, but I feel like not many people follow it. Mm-mm. Well, not there's a lot of quotes people don't follow. No, I'm just saying, like I don't look, I don't really don't think about how people make. It's like it's very rare. Maybe there's like three people at the top of my mind that I immediately thought of, like, oh yeah, I immediately think about how they made me feel, good or bad. But I think it it, it actually affects our subconscious way more than it affects our conscious state of mind because okay. you may not realize that, but then all of a sudden a month later something triggers you and you get upset and you're wondering why and it's because this person made you feel a certain way at one point and then it's like subconscious stuff that's coming to the surface. I see. That's at least how I've interpreted it. Okay, great. It. But now how does that person measure their self-worth? You're talking that that affects my self-worth? No, I'm saying that that affects your perception of their self-worth from an external scenario. Oh, not, not based how it on how they made me feel, exactly. I am now judging and measuring what they're worth in my eyes. Yeah. So it, it is taking it. judgment into an account, which isn't good. But I feel like there's a lot of people that would think in that vein yeah. about, oh, this person made me, he did this. Okay, great. But how did that person actually make me feel as a person? You know, I know a lot of people that are successful in business, but they make people feel terrible about themselves, right? Do you think that 
the majority of our humanity incorrectly measures their self-worth about themselves? Yeah, I think a lot of people use external metrics as opposed to internal metrics. And what I mean by that is they view what other people how other people are viewing them what's their title what's their success what are they doing like on a daily basis to try to like boost their social rank i think a lot of people measure their self-worth from that and that is with these fleeting moments of happiness and things that are never going to keep you long-term fulfilled as opposed to measuring what i would call internal metrics which is how am i making myself feel how am i changing my mindset how am i becoming centered each and every day yeah and really helping taking your own power back everything's from like status almost and again i'll go i will revert back to this point i just made a couple minutes ago that it comes from when we're at a very young age where we're being we don't we're so young that we don't even know how to question or know what we want right but we've got the world telling us that hey when you graduate and get into a really good high school that's awesome you know and like you start to measure yourself worth by all these outside rewards and these outside accolades and these words of like you know reverence from your your peers your parents your family members and that kind of parlays well into our adult life And then we don't even know why one day we wake up and suddenly we realize we're just so unhappy or we have these like extreme highs and lows, like extreme like happiness. And then the next day you're like super anxious and don't even know what the hell's wrong with your mind. You know, you're like questioning yourself. I agree with you. I think the majority of our uh, humanity does incorrectly measure their self-worth, but I cannot blame anybody. I don't blame anybody. I just think that as generations have gone on and things have happened in our society and our culture has evolved didn't really take a nice turn in my opinion i think our access to information and access to a window into what other people do these days has made it worse over time well that's a whole separate topic that now now we're not even measuring self-worth based on what we were taught as kids like school money status degrees loan houses cars a family a husband a wife and kids by a certain age now all of a sudden it's turned into let me go on instagram to message my friend and oh look at that girl with a bikini she has such an awesome body i don't look like that anymore you know and now boom now you're you know you immediately decrease your self-worth for yourself how terrible is that so i agree with you that's that's a factor that's our new age problem that's like what our generation and the ones immediately before us are dealing with that's a whole new factor but i think that i think that it's up to the parents right now the 30 40 year old parents who have kids i think it's their job to teach their kids right now that hey don't measure yourself value or worth and don't compare yourself to other people on the internet like that's that's terrible Mm -hmm. like every single person uses facetune and photoshop like everybody does it like do not compare yourself to that because they don't even look like that but i agree i also think that now especially our generation we're trying we're figuring out that hey my worth is not in my paycheck my worth is not in my title like life at least i'm realizing this life is very much like not i I don't want to call them ups and downs there is different stages in life and we don't know how to seamlessly gracefully move through them if that makes sense like you have a time in your life where you're in school then you have a time in life when you're trying to look for a job and you get into the working world and it's like a shock almost you know like that comes with its own anxiety and tough moments and dealing with the eight-hour work day and then didn't get a promotion in a year like all of your your other friends or that comes with its own problems then there's a stage in life where you get married and you focus on your family life or your relationship and your marriage 
and maybe one of you is not working full time or doesn't have a regular job. How do you gracefully accept that period of your life and not be so attached to your job title? You know, maybe you were this really successful person and now you're you're still successful. Maybe you don't need that money so badly. But in the world's eyes that you seem to be looking through at yourself, you kind of seem like a freeloader, you know? And I think that's what we have to learn is that we're all at different stages of life and our self-worth shouldn't change based on that. I think that if you're happy and you're healthy and you're focused on yourself and you're surrounded by people and this is easier said than done, I completely understand that and I admit that, I think our self-worth should come from within, not from the outside noise in the world. Um, And in order to do that, I feel like it takes a lot of disconnection. Oh my God. You have to really remove yourself from the BS of the matrix and the, in the daily life that we live to really find that. That, Mm -hmm. That's how, that's how I did it Mm -hmm. initially. Like I was like, you know, a lot of this, I feel like I was very fortunate because I think I learned this from an early age and I still see so many people that are way older than me that I would consider measuring their own worth in the complete wrong fashion. Um, just from, in my opinion, we have people that we know in their sixties and seventies who measure their self-worth very i mean it's sad Mm -hmm. it's just sad to a point where like i'm not gonna name names but like i look at these individuals and i'm like i don't want to be like you when i'm 60 i don't want to be like you when i'm 70 like you're not who i aspire to be you're a great person i love you you're related to me i get it but like no way like they they determine their their place in this world and their happiness by how much money they have what kind of house they live in you know or that they're still grinding and they're still at it and that today's society is weak and they're lazy and millennials suck. And it's just like, mm. at some point, you have to find that peace within you. Mm-hmm. And I think the earlier, the better. I think the funniest thing, like a topic you just brought up, uh, is that every generation thinks the generation before them has issues, right? And that'll continue to happen further and further. And there'll be, yeah, pe- you're right. there'll be people in our, yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's people in our generation already that are like, oh, this generation below us or the one below that is is the x y and z right like everybody seems to create and i root word right there they seem to create their own issues with others because nobody else is creating them for them it's their own mind doing it i just see patterns i'm not so much looking at somebody and seeing they create problems i'm just looking at patterns and i feel like these patterns don't just appear into society and we don't just have broken adults i think these things happen because of the adults who are rearing who are like you know raising these children and these adults are not self-aware so they're raising broken children as well and they're coming from a place of i'm doing the best that i can i'm doing the best that i know as a parent but really all you're doing is projecting your time your issues your societal problems onto them okay the issues that our parents had growing up are not the same societal cultural issues that we have Mm -hmm. yet we were raised with that old mindset is what i'm trying to say like our degrees don't mean shit today. Okay, I'm telling you, this new wave, this new, like the little kids, the six-year-old, the five-year-olds, they're not going to go to college. They're not going to go for those traditional yeah. career, careers when, and degrees. When you got seven-year-olds making $25 million a year on YouTube, like who needs to go right. to school? And I love that. Don't get me, I'm not hating. I'm no, saying I think it's allow awesome. it. I allow think these awesome. things to Embrace happen. Embrace the change. Yeah, allow these things to happen. But do you know how many parents are still going to be like, you have to go to college because I went to college, your grandparents went to college, your great-grandfather couldn't even afford to go, go to college. Like It's this conditioning, and that's why I bring up 
the older generations before us. I don't mean to put anybody down. I don't mean to belittle anybody. I'm just saying that that's why these things happen. And I currently at 31 am trying to work on myself and I'm becoming self-aware of realizing that the next generation after me is going to be its, its, its own its own generation. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'm not going to try to make them go to school like I did. I'm not going to force them into things. I'm only going to try to give them the basics. And that's pretty much our podcast. I might just hand them our podcast. <laughs> like be a good person, work on yourself, have confidence, believe in yourself from a young age. Don't listen to me giving you a clap or a slap on the back of saying, hey, good job, kid. You did great at school. So like, no, are you happy? Did you make it? Like, I'll be there to gently guide you. I'm not going to be there to force feed you life based on my experiences because mine are tainted. Mine come from issues. I went through my own set of problems. And so why would I put that onto this new human being? That's why I was bringing that up. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not downing the people before us by any means. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that there's this repeat going on. What I will say in discussing this with you, I've realized we're never going to really fully be able to eradicate that from society. There'll always be a huge chunk of people, of generations, raising the next generation with their own old mindset. They're never going to be open. They're never going to let these kids flourish and thrive in their own way. And that's always going to be a part of our world, I guess, which is sad. But back to measuring your self-worth, sometimes while I'm sitting here, I do think two things. First, the question is, is there a right or wrong way to measure your self-worth? I think we've determined, yeah. However, is that, isn't that subjective? Like maybe the way that you measure your self-worth is not the same as I would measure my self-worth. So I would think that... Even if we're both right. I, I, I would actually say that I don't think there is a right or wrong way. And, and I would agree that it is subjective. And that's the reason that there's not a right or wrong way. Because it is subjective to that individual. There's not some uniform standard list of metrics that you can go by to say... Yes, I'm, I've measured my self-worth in the right way, right? I think it's very individualistic to that person. And there's also a lot of people that share their own life experiences that shape and mold them into what they are today that they have to work through to or reach their self. what they hold self. value to, right? Yeah, what they hold value yeah. to. That's why everybody, you know, it's, yeah. it's what makes our world unique is everybody has interests in different things. Everybody values different things, and that's great. And it just takes people time to figure out what that is so i really don't think there's a right or wrong way i just think in my opinion what i would consider a wrong way is to measure through external metrics yeah judgment opinions and external factors on your point i just thought of an example there could be a father who you know adores his family but it shows as kind of like a tough hard ass and all he does is work 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 and he puts a lot of importance on how much money he can bring into the home and like how much he can provide for his family but that and that's how he measures his self-worth and if he tries to step away from that he doesn't even he's not happy you know it's like he has to grind 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 like you know continue to stack up more and more money and like nothing is ever enough right and i think that would come from a place of like maybe he grew up in a unstable home maybe he grew up in an unstable a financially unstable home you know and so like that's something he grows up seeing and you're right, that becomes his experience. And so he starts to measure, he's like, I'm never going to be like my dad. Like, I'm never going to be like my grandparents. I'm going to do, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to provide for my family. But then it's, and I think that's a step. I think that's a stage in life. I think there's like, you know, 30, 40 years of your life. But I think that you have to evolve as a person. 
I think evolution has stopped for some people. You have to evolve past that. And like I said, there's stages in life. There's certain changes in life and you have to like gracefully go into them. And this is, you could speak to this because of, we've mentioned this on the podcast before when you met that guy who's retired and he just didn't know how to accept his retirement. And it's like, you need to be able to say, okay, I did that. I did provide. And it was great. It was a great high. It was a great run. I'm very proud of myself. And I've given them everything I could. Today, I don't need that money. And I, my self-worth is not determinative of how much money I can make. I'm X years old. I shouldn't have to be still making money. I don't need it. So if people now, I, where do you get your self-worth from? If people evaluated, and this is going to sound a little generic, but if people evaluated their life as a book, right? And you've all these different chapters of what you do. You wouldn't want each chapter to be the same. No, you, not at like, all. Like the most exciting and enthralling books is where you're evolving through the stories that you're reading each and every time you turn a page. And I feel like a lot of people are writing the same story. But it's crazy because life. even you and me included, we don't want change. We don't do well. It's not fun to go through those ups and downs. Changes come with, when it's up and down, that's when the change happens, right? So that sounds great what you just said. But the reality of it is that there are things that I, I'm fearful of change when it comes to that. But I know that with change comes like the good. You that's know? the growth and the evolution of the individual. Yeah, I agree. And like, that's why I said it's, it's much easier said than done. But the way you portray it, I think it's a very good example is like everything just kind of stays the same. And like one little tiny dent in your day and you get like thrown off. Because it's a change. So I actually wonder about that sometimes. And I think it has a lot to do with self-worth and finding my own self-worth. And it's like when you I You found get... your self-worth the day you married me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Count it. Um, but like thinking about when I get towards the end of my life, mm-hmm. do, you know, do, do I want to have this book that is like this me doing the same thing throughout my life? Do I want to go work in this same space for 50 years and then look back on that? And that's like all the chapters in my book. Like I want to have... That, that to me would be a very boring book to read, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I would feel at the end of my life regretful yeah. of doing that. And I don't want to have to feel any regrets at all. So like I am always excited, even though you, it can be change and things like that, excited to like this is what the end game can be for us. Now let's figure out how these chapters write themselves. And there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be changes. But throughout that, it's really what how I think it's like – helping measure self-worth because you're trying to do things to better yourself. You're putting yourself in a better mind state. You're trying to get aligned and just knowing that your chapters are going to change and being okay with that and not so stuck out of a place of ego. I agree. That's very well said. Let's discuss how we'll, we'll take turns on this, how each one of us used to, used to measure our self-worth. You go first. Let's see, used to measure my self-worth. So I think when I was younger, so I had learned, I think, about measuring my self-worth early on, but I didn't actually start implementing a lot of these tactics until years and years after I learned about it um, because I had started implementing a lot of the practices that helped me increase my, what I would consider my self-worth. You make, your sound like, you make your so- yourself sound like some prodigy. Oh, that's not just what I'm, kidding. No. <laughs> you that's, got so serious. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's not at all what I'm trying to portray. I, I feel very fortunate that I learned about these things early on in life because, you know, like I mentioned, I feel like there's so many people that I've seen that. Why have do you no think you clue. learned earlier than others? Because I know I did not learn early on. I don't have a great answer for that. I think that it just Is it because you have older siblings. It, 
It, it could be, but even like some of the stuff that I was interested in, I didn't really get necessarily fed from my older siblings. I had like this inner knowing and inner like desire to learn about these things. It didn't really come from anybody specifically in my family. Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple things, a couple topics I would say that, that definitely came from older siblings, but a lot of the stuff... But you were still acting, like you said, you didn't implement them. You were still acting. Yeah, I didn't implement to... them. And I think when I used to measure myself externally, like I would, like I'll give you an example. When I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career, right, earlier on in life, I finished up school and then I said, okay, I'll go to law school. My older brother's an attorney. Um, maybe I'll like that, right? Maybe I'll enjoy it. So I worked at a firm for like nine months, did, took all my exams. But did you decide that or were you told that? Well, I was guided in that I was, direction. I was guided, but I was still the one that made the decision. At the end of the day, I could have said no and done my own thing, but okay. I chose not to. And the reason I chose not to at that time was because I think I was being guided in a direction. I was getting a little bit of pressure put on me because I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. And it was reaching a point in my life where I needed to be self-sufficient. And so I said, you know what? I don't really know if I want to do this long term, but I'll do it right now because it'll help me kind of figure out if it's, and I think that's a lot of life, right? You have to go through, the best way out is through, it's a Robert Frost quote, mm-hmm. and you have to go through things and experience them sometimes to see if you actually enjoy them or not. And what I learned by going through that experience is that I did not enjoy it, but by the very act of going through it, I found something that I did enjoy, mm-hmm. which is what's interesting about it. So even when I was done and came out of, and was going through school and everything, like at that time, I was really measuring myself by, oh great, I'm in law school right now. I'm going to pass this. I'm going to become an attorney. And like in my head, it was like I was playing the story out, but it took me a little bit of time to realize that this isn't my story. This is a story somebody else is trying to write for me. So were you measuring your self-worth at the time by what, how happy everybody around you was that you went to school and that you got accepted into a school and that like you were going to become a lawyer, like... I think I was, yeah, I think at the time I was thinking about it, like you just mentioned, from external circumstances, just like that. Yeah. And then it took me kind of the light bulb eureka moment when I was in law school and I learned about a specific kind of technology and I was like, whoa, this is really interesting. And that's where the fire kind of lit and said, I got to find a way into this space because mm-hmm. this is really cool. And mm-hmm. I really like that, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, it, that was one of those triggering things for me where... I shifted my self-worth and I kind of came into my own and I was like, this just makes so much sense to me. I know it's going to be successful. I know it's going to grow that I want to dedicate all my time and energy into this. And when that started happening, that's when I started to experience a lot of resistance. And I've noticed this in other people too, that when you start to come into your more authentic self, you experience a lot of resistance from people around you because you're disrupting the status quo of measuring your self-worth by external circumstances. You know who that reminds me of? The Kanye West interview um, with David Letterman on Netflix. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't seen it, please watch it. It is just, I've watched that interview like five times and it's like an hour long. Mm-hmm. But he says it and he goes, when you're in the public eye, now this is obviously, Brian was not in the public eye, but it's it's very similar. He's like, I was known as the rapper, naked girls, alcohol, drugs, you know, like all this stuff. And he's like, and one day, life experiences my mom passed away things happened in my life and they just kind of brought me down to my knees and I changed that changed my music that changed my talent and my art and my creativity and I was then starting to go behind the scenes and become more of a producer back to my roots which is what I really was doing before I even began rapping he goes and all of a sudden everybody in in, in Hollywood is like 
Kanye is not a rapper. He, he's a rapper. He's not a producer. He's like, and then when I shit really hit the fan for me personally, and I, you know, was getting into the sneaker line and designing clothes, everyone's like, you're not a designer. You know, you're not a creator. You're not an artist in the clothing space. You know, you, you can't design shoes. And he's like, when, as I tried to follow myself more and more and more, the more resistance I got from other people telling me that I couldn't do something. And then he's like, now I look back and see that's more reason for me to do something because that means I am following my heart and following my path. And you're absolutely right. You disrupt the status quo. And you know what? Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is, and I hope everyone's listening right now, is that the ones closest to us... (laughs) I hope everyone's I hope listening to this listening right, right now. now. You didn't just put her finger up like she's like going to say something I so really important. Right like, I hope everyone's listening. Like, of course, they're obviously listening right Listen, now. I, wow, man, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Oh, when, what was I saying? I don't know, but you were putting your finger up. You were getting super excited to say it. Talking about disrupting the status quo. Yeah. Did you lose it? Shit, it was so good. Come on, bring me back. Like, what else, what else was I saying? Talking about measuring yourself by external circumstances. You yeah, were disrupting the, Kanye West the status quo, like the Kanye West that. stuff. Oh, oh, sometimes the people closest to us, okay, the ones that we love the most and that love us the most are the ones that are very, very resistant to our change or to us following our own path. And that is heartbreaking. It is so sad. And it's very, very, very hard to keep going when your family and friends don't understand. And I think that's a very important thing you just like the last thing you just said is a lot of times I don't think that people place resistance on you because they don't want you to be successful in what you do. I think they do it because they're either afraid or they don't understand yeah, I don't how think the path you're going on is going to come to fruition because they may be used they to, they're going from yeah. their point of view and yeah. their life experiences, right? And they've experienced a certain path. So when you do something that's maybe dramatically different from what they were expecting, yeah. it creates a lot of fear and uncertainty. And it's more of a non-understanding in my Correct. opinion. It's not really, I don't think it's not that they, they don't want you to succeed. No, they do want you want to see you succeed. It's just that they are so programmed by their experiences and their education and their perception of life that they see that they just think like, oh my gosh, like what are they doing? You know, like how, why are they taking this risk? Like, what do they think they are? Are they stupid? You know, but at the end of the day, I think that our mistakes shape us too um, for the better. And so there is no right or wrong way, but I, I do hope and, and pray like whoever's listening and if you're in this kind of situation, especially the 20 year olds, the younger ones, you guys have to follow your own path. Um, and don't be afraid of the resistance and, and don't let yourself, this is all about self-worth. The point I was trying to make there too is when those people closest to you resist, when you're trying to follow your own path and be happy in what you're doing and you're still trying to figure it out and you're like confidence isn't fully up there, but you're really trying, don't let other people's disapproval or resistance to you and to your change and to your path determine your self-worth. Only you can do that. And I feel like you and I both have experienced that in the past. Um, I don't want to cut you off that you were talking about your law school situation and your self-worth with that. Oh, I just think at that time that, you know, I was measuring by all these external circumstances, what people expected of me, what they anticipated, the path I was going to go, that they thought I was going to go. 
but it really reached this point of kind of an internal trigger when I realized like this isn't really what I want at all and it took me some time to figure that out and become aware of it and once I did become aware of it I started diverting all my energy for the most part to the areas of which did matter to me right that I did feel alignment and feel interest there and that kind of continued to evolve to initially take me out of the career trajectory that I was on and on a new path that much more aligned with me. And although at the time when it was happening and everybody around me that was creating a lot of resistance for me, um, based off, I think, a lack of understanding or fear of the uncertainty, years and years later, when everything turned out to work out far better than it could have with my alternative path, came back and you know some people came back and they were like, well, you know, I know I placed resistance on you at this one point in time, but I'm actually really happy with how everything turned out, right? And that was because I became much more authentic with what my desires were and how I measured my own self-worth and thinking to myself is, do I want to go down this one particular path in 20 years from now, be totally regretful of what I did because I listened to others? Or am I going to measure my self-worth by how I feel, how aligned I am internally, how authentic I am with my own passions and desires that only I know, nobody else knows them except me. And by going down that path, is it going to make me regretful in 20 years? And my answer in that time was no. And so I went down the path that I chose that was most authentic with myself. And it has literally catapulted me far and above anything I could have ever done if I would have gone the alternative path. Yeah. Just because I was staying true. I think for me personally, how I used to measure my own self-worth. First of all, I had no awareness of my own self-worth. None. And I don't know if this is because I was like the first child. So like my parents are really up my ass. (laughs) Um, I'm not really sure, but... I would say well into like 24, 25 years old, I didn't even know my own self. Like I, I, I just, there was no question. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't stand there for the mirror and question like, am I happy? Or like, what do I want to do? And I almost, it's, it's, it's almost as if like I missed, I skipped a step in growing up kind of where like the training wheels fall off and you're kind of an adult and you got to figure it out for yourself. I just continuously just went in that cycle of like, what do mom and dad think? What do mom and dad think? You know, what does my family think? Like, what do my friends think about me? Like, you know, what is my image and how do I keep that image going? Or how do I get better at it? You know, um, I was a, I was big into comparing, not really outwards, but internally. I would like always compare myself to other people around me, compare myself um, with my parents, friends, kids too, um, my cousins, you know, like all of that stuff. And I, looking back, it was because... That's what my dad used to bring up, you know, like my nephews are all doctors and this and that. And like everybody in our family does very well and, you know, all this stuff and everybody gets married at a certain age. Like there was this constant thing in the back of my mind and it just kind of stuck. But really, when I was like 18 or 19 or 20, I should have snapped out of it. You know, I should have had enough self-awareness at the time to be like, wow, why do I care what anyone else is doing? You know, like, okay, great awesome dad you know I should I should have moved on from that and I didn't and that led me to kind of going down the path that you mentioned is I didn't know what I wanted to do because I had no awareness I had no self-worth I didn't question it I just looked at it as if I did something and I got a oh my god awesome job Nina I'm so proud of you I went on my merry way you know I didn't even stop to question how I felt or what I wanted and therefore I never knew what I wanted and so I went down the path of um well, first it was med school. I did terrible. 
uh, pre-med at the University of Scranton. And then from there, they're like, well, you have to get something. So the next best thing was law. And I'm like, so I did that and then got into a law school. And I, I remember thinking about it. And like you said, I look back and hindsight is 2020. Had I not gone there, I wouldn't have met you. You know, and like today we're married. Like there's a lot of things that go into this. And so that's where I get confused. Like maybe I wasn't meant to be self-aware or value my self-worth till after the fact. In my opinion, you and neither you nor me were meant to be attorneys, but we were meant to take that path to meet each other when we did. I know, but like without getting off topic here, then I'm like, why did the universe put me through all that? Like, couldn't I meet you like at a bar somewhere? (laughs) Like in Philly? Like, couldn't I see you out at a restaurant? Couldn't you be at my gym? On a family trip to Philadelphia, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but, like, but think about this, though. In our particular scenario, if if that's what would have happened, we would have not been placed in an environment where we were next to each other 24 hours a day true. studying in a library, developing an incredibly close bond. True. Like, it would have not been the yeah. same at we all. We wouldn't have dated for like So our year. particular scenario played out, I think, exactly it was it was designed. And that's what I think. Like, I think other people's influences and paths also intersect right like your families my families like all of that came into play but anyway I go to law school I come back out and I would say two three weeks before I took my last finals in law school I knew this was not for me I like hit the floor and I was just like it was such extreme excruciating depression and pain and it was such an obvious thing in my face at the time that I was like, I was barely hanging on in those last two weeks. I had to move my stuff. I had to pass all my finals. And I was moving, hoping that I would pass all my finals and graduate in less than three months. And long story short, I moved to Philadelphia. I'm doing an internship um, at the DA's office in Philadelphia. And I'm doing it for credits so that I graduate in less than three months. And that was the biggest, that was the next biggest thing, back to back, two weeks, and then the next month I'm out to Philly, and it was like four months of just straight lessons, 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 and like questions as to why these things are happening, why am I experiencing this, why am I being a witness to all this garbage, and I just, I would just call my mom every day after work and cry to her, I remember this, and I'm like, mom, I hate it, I can't do it, I hate it so much, and what are you going to do, Nina, what else are you going to do, Nina, like, what else are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then my dad's response would be like, well, I just paid so much money and I just like put so much, I gave, put you, gave you such a nice apartment. Like all this constant, like making me feel bad as opposed to understanding that this kid is just, I mean, she's going down really quick, but still they didn't help. And I kind of just had to pull myself out of it and I just dealt with it. But what I did do at this point was practice law for a very small amount of time after that, just to kind of like financially keep myself um, stable and started to study for the bar obviously at the same time and I failed it the first time and I remember being in my apartment in Philly and I'm just like what I shut my phone off and didn't talk to anybody for 24 hours and just cried my eyes out even at that point looking back I was pissed and sad not because I realized that I didn't want to practice law or I don't know what I'm doing it's because my self-worth just went down 10 times harder in my parents' eyes because I just pa- I just failed the bar exam. After all the money they've been dumping into everything and completely supporting me financially and everything, um, I'm once again like, quote unquote, a loser. That's why I was so down and out at that point. And at the same time, I was feeling bad for not having an answer for them when they would say, well, what do you want to do? You know what I'm saying? And so 
again, I was measuring my self-worth by them, by them, by externals. And all my friends, mind you, none of my friends really went for um, higher education past college. Maybe one or two did. And so all my friends are already two, three years deep into work and having promotions and making money and financially stable and on their own. And I'm kind of behind. I feel behind because I stayed in school longer, you know? So again, measuring my self-worth, it was down in the buckets. Like I was shit to myself. But long story short, I snapped out of it probably once I passed the bar the second time. And I was like, okay, literally in my head, I was like, the buck stops here. I've done it. I've made you happy. I've made you proud. Now I really have to find what I have to do. And so I set out into the corporate world and then I learned more lessons there. And I think that's where all of my growth around 25, 26 really started to happen where it's like, if it's not this and it's not this, what is it, Nina? What makes you happy? And I had a lot of, like you said earlier, you have to kind of alienate yourself and shut the world out to kind of get clear that I went through a period of that. Wouldn't go out with my friends. I wouldn't party. I wouldn't drink like a buffoon. I like really would just focus on myself. A lot of personal self-help development books that today I talk about now, you know, I did a lot of that in my free time, in the evenings, and the weekends, sometimes on my lunch hour, I would leave the office and go in my car and like, cause I tinted windows so nobody could see me. If I did it in my office, it just wasn't professional, you know, and I would just figure it out. Like I was really focused on figuring my life out and what makes me happy and what makes me good. And that's where things started to shift a little bit for me one step at a time, where to a point today, I think about making certain moves and certain steps and choices. And then I'm like, huh, is that what I really want to do though? Like, is that going to make me happy or am I being impatient? Am I measuring my self-worth and becoming so antsy because of what the world potentially thinks about me? Which by the way, I don't even know what the world thinks about me. These are just stories I make up in my own head myself. Let's be really honest about that. We had a conversation last night, actually, that kind of aligns with what we're talking about right now. And you ask me, over the last seven years, have you been consistently happy, right? Yeah. Talk about morbid Saturday evening conversations, you guys. We were watching. Well, we went to go see a movie. Then we watched the last episode of Power. And for some reason, I got super sad watching that. Lat- and I was just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did ask you that. And so I, and my response, Nina, was I don't think anybody's cons- has been consistently happy for the last seven years. Did you, do you remember my face? And you got like very upset. And you're like, why? Explain it to me. Because I thought, I, I feel like you're the happiest clown on the planet. Yeah. Well, I usually am. Like I usually am just incredibly in a good mood at all times um, because that's just how I am. But like w- what I referenced was just because like I th- when I look at consistent happiness, let me back up for a minute. I look at consistent happiness, like to try to be consistently happy in as many areas of your life as possible, if not all areas, right? And I just look at some people and they'll be like, and myself included, like there's times where you may be very, very happy with your career, but unhappy with your relationship or unhappy with your body or unhappy with something else, right? Mm-hmm. Or you may be very happy in those things and just terrified of your career because you're not happy and you're not going where you want to. And so to have all of those things come together at one time, I think is very rare. And if you do have that, that's a huge blessing. And so what I was thinking in that moment that aligns with our topic today of self-worth is that there's a lot of people out there that could be measuring their self-worth and be happy in one area, but feel like they have a total hole in another area of their self-worth. And that's okay. You know, like it's very rare to have your entire being be completely 
full at all times, right? And be consistently happy in all these different areas of your life. But it's a constant evolution and you're you're working through that. Yeah, but there was two reasons that that made me very sad last night when you said that. One is that I always looked at you like you're always consistently happy. How do you do it? And when you said, no, I haven't been consistently happy um, in the last seven years, I was just like, whoa. And I, I, it wasn't about me. I was just like, fuck, if Brian can't figure it out, excuse my language, if Brian can't figure it out, then I'm really lost, you know? And the second thing it made me think of is when you said, Nina, it's so rare that all areas of someone's life, that they're always happy with all areas of their life consistently all together at once. And it almost like made me feel like defeated. And it was just like, but that's what I'm striving for. That's literally what I'm waiting for. Like, I admit that right now on this episode. Like, I am waiting for where every single area of my life, I think about it and it makes me smile. And like, I'm so content where I can literally say like my cup is running over. Like, I'm so happy with everything in my life and I just want to enjoy it now. And like, that's what I'm waiting for. But you said, no, it doesn't happen that way. Well, I'm not saying it can't happen. So, like, you you almost shattered this, like, dream of mine. <laughs> so, I'm not saying it can't happen that way. I'm just saying it's if it is, that's really a blessing, right? To be able to have all these different things at one time. I think it's definitely possible for sure. But even when you think you have everything, I think it's human nature to artificially create stresses and pressures on yourself to want the next thing, right? So... The we've talked about this in a past yeah. episode to really reach that point. I think it takes a lot of detachment and release. And it comes from, and then here's because we create our own challenges. Before I went to bed, then I was thinking last night, I'm like, you know, there's like two things on my list right now that I'm just like, please God, like fix this. And I was like, even if I got those, and I was happy for like 24 hours, or or not, it's not getting anything. It's actually something working out. And I and that all those things worked out. Yeah, actually, on a lot of levels, my life would be pretty perfect. I can actually say that, and I'm very proud, and I'm very happy. But then I start to think, like, well, after that, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. What's the next step of life? All of a sudden, my mind started running, and I'm like, you know what? This whole self-worth, happiness, it all comes from within. And I think that's the tie that I'm trying to make, is that our self-worth at every turning point in life it comes from you. It comes from us and it comes from our perception and it comes from not letting anything outside of us, a person, a thing, or an event or a circumstance define our happiness and self-worth is the whole point. And that's so hard to do. Like, I get it. We're like, I'll be good for a couple days and then I'll like sink right back down where I have to like meditate for an hour that morning and I have to get my mind right again because I can just feel it like creeping up again, you know, or I'll be in like a big, like with what I do right now for work, many people don't fully understand, right? They think like, wait, so she's a licensed attorney, but she doesn't practice like, wait, she does this, but she doesn't know. Oh, she has a podcast too. Like people just don't understand that. Yeah, I have taken a very creative turn in my life and It gives me a lot of fulfillment 90% of the time. Okay, not 100, not fully there yet. And so when people ask or like people in our family members like say something, like I can just feel the judgment. I can feel the like, what are you doing, right? And then I'll go home at night and I'll be like, is that me making up that perception about them, which is now affecting my self-worth all over again on this drive home after this interaction? 
Or do they really think that? And immediately I have to snap out of it and say, here I am again, measuring my self-worth and my happiness and my contentment off someone else's quote-unquote opinion and judgment that I'm not even sure about. So those are my own insecurities too, projecting outwards, manifesting as judgment and opinion, but really nothing was really said to my face. Does that make sense? And so it's that's why I said in the beginning of this episode, it's a very convoluted topic and there's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of like mind maneuvering to figure out where and what it is, how you're actually measuring your self-worth and where, like that's just my story, right? Like I know that I can twist, like if I'm in a big group of people and everyone's talking about how much money they made or what they did or like how great they're doing, I'm surrounded by people who have corporate jobs, okay? I don't know anyone who's doing what I'm doing. And so these people, I think, automatically judge me. Not that they say anything to me, but they kind of just, it's something I pick up on. But where's that line of, is it really happening or am I measuring my self-worth now because I'm comparing myself to everybody else and what they probably think of me? That's, it's, it's, it's very messed up. Like it's kind of like, it's like a mind F almost. But what I'm trying to say is we have to learn to shut that noise out. And I haven't really figured out a way where 100% is gone yet. But I know, like I talked to my mom about it before and she's like, that only comes with age and experience. She's like, one day you really don't care. (laughs) And she's like, Nina, I'm telling you, like you just grow up and you've been through so much in life and you have other responsibilities that matter more and you just don't care anymore. Like she's like, no matter what decisions I make in life today, she's like, my 80 year old mother still says things to me. She's like, and I just don't care. (laughs) And I'm just like, gosh, I want to be in that place right now. But I think it just takes time and we can't race anything, so to speak. Enough. Okay, next topic. Let's share with everybody what you and I do now. Uh, or no, how do we measure our self-worth today? So. Maybe I, give me three things, like three ways. I would say I measure my self-worth by my capacity to love. And what I mean by that is in any engagements that I'm in, you know, regardless what that looks like, am I doing what I would consider becoming my highest and best in that particular engagement? Like, right, when I'm conversing with somebody in a meeting, am I paying attention to what they're saying? Am I expressing love in that moment in in, in the route of I'm truly and authentically interested in connecting with you as a human being and understanding what you're saying and being engaged and then responding as opposed to reacting or just trying to like rush through this meeting just so I can get to my next thing, right? Like what is my, and I, and I interpret that as capacity to love. That's one way to do it. Also like capacity to love in what am I doing on a daily basis? Like, am I driving down the street and I pull up and see a homeless person on the side of the street, right? Am I looking down at my phone or am I listening to my radio or am I just giving that person a wave? As simple as that may seem to let that person know, hey, you know, there's love in this situation, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying hello. I'm acknowledging you where most people would drive by and be like, oh, he's bummed. You always do, me. yeah. You and always it, it, like, it's just little simple things like that that I'm like, okay, I personally think I'm doing my best to really try to connect and love people that are around me and by doing that really expressing love myself and that's what I mean by that Um, so that's one way another way is am I moving through each and every day 
in my most authentic self, in my most aligned self. And I kind of gave some examples about that when I was going down one path and then I changed to the one that I was at. Um, you know, and then I grow and you grow and you evolve. And so you constantly have to ask yourself after you've been doing things for a certain amount of time, am I currently doing right now with what is my most authentic self or have I evolved and changed as a person? And so now I need to take a step back and look and say, is what I've been doing for the last five years really where I want to see myself in the next five or would I like to write a different chapter? Right. And so that's something that I look at in myself is pay attention to how I've evolved and the different ways that I think about things differently now through more experience and, you know, hopefully more wisdom that I've been able to attain. And how can I implement that from an action perspective into my life? Not just thinking about it, but actually taking action to ensure that I'm still becoming aligned with how I feel because I have changed as a person from five years ago to 10 years ago, right? We're constantly evolving. Um, and also how, am I feeling on a daily basis, right? Like what is my emotional state? Do things trigger me? Do they bother me? Am I getting more advanced and better at not having external circumstances bother me, which I really think I have. And that continues to get better each and every year. But am I always in a place of centeredness and kind of Zen and calmness and everything that I do? That's really important for me because I do have a very calm demeanor and you know, sometimes even though I have a very calm demeanor. Luckily, you married a Gemini. That's right. Um, <laughs> I Like there may be little things that I notice still to this day that kind of trigger me internally, but it never really comes out. Like I never lose my cool, but something that then it will make my mind run a little bit. And so I'm continuously working at those to say, quit creating false expectations that are appearing real that may not even ever happen, right? Mm -hmm. Just accept what occurred and then move forward with that. Um, so those are a couple of the ways that I look at now measuring my self-worth. So for me, um, currently, at least at this point in my life, I measure my self-worth with how much is slightly different than yours. How long, for how many days at a time, can I stay centered? Because I haven't mastered that fully yet. Um, I do one day blow up. Like I do get very sad sometimes. Like, and I do like you know, you know, it's like, it'll come out in like the most random way, you know, about the most random thing. So mine is more always being calm and happy and never being triggered. So how long can I do that? Like, can I do it weeks at a time, days at a time, months at a time? I have in the past done it months and months at a time. But for me, ever since I made some big life decisions and jumps with my career and with moving to St. Louis, I've had a little bit more outbursts than I'd like to have. And I don't judge those anymore either. Like, I'm just like, okay, I got to go back to the drawing board, like calm down. But that's one way I measure it because I always want to be calm. I always want to be happy in the moment. And I don't want to live life triggered by events, other people's words and actions towards me or not towards me. Um, even sad situations like, and I won't name it, but this morning that we heard, um, that like threw me off for a second and I like had to come back up and like regroup almost because I didn't want to pour sad energy towards this thing or like even empathy and sympathy for me like drag me and they drag me down really low very quickly and so like I have to like get myself back up and that's one way I measure my self-worth and two am I continuously inspired motivation comes and goes but am I inspired you know, like every day when I show up to do something was this last week, I think I we last year or the week before one of the days we changed our recording days because I just was not inspired. 
Like I, we sat here at the table and I told you, I literally do not feel like recording today. And I'm going to be forcing it and pushing it and putting crap out there. And so we shut the computer and went downstairs. Like I have to feel inspired, inspired in my relationships, inspired in my life, inspired at the gym, inspired in everything. Even when I'm cooking, I have to feel like this inspiration in me of like, I'm tending to something and I'm making something like I almost have to feel feelings of love when I'm doing something or I can't do it. And I'm not saying that that's a good trait, but that's just how I measure if what I'm doing is going to come out good. You know, like every time I've done, every time I've been forced to do something, I've been very unhappy and it's been garbage, the result. And every time I've been inspired and coming from a place of love when doing something and making a decision, it's been the most beautiful thing I've ever done. So that's the second way. And the third way I measure my self-worth is just like, how many times in a day am I, do I stop myself and I feel contentment? Contentment in a good way, not a negative way, like not complacency. Contentment as in like, yeah, like we're all healthy, we're all happy, we're all financially stable, we're all very good. I have, I have a, you know, my solid group of friends, like my family's doing well, and like Brian's doing well, my dogs are healthy. Like I just look around at the simple things I don't really look at what's missing. I tend to look at what is and be content and happy with that and be very hopeful and positive about other stuff. And so that's my way of measuring my self-worth. And so none of this has to do with money. None of it has to do with what other people are thinking of me like I used to measure my self-worth. None of it has to do with titles. None of it has to do with accolades. None of it has to do with cars or clothes or mansions or fancy vacations none of it has to do with instagram (laughs) like it has nothing to do with that it's just like these three simple things and i work at it a lot i will say like i have to work at this a lot i'm not i haven't mastered this yet um but that's what i do for that's very good my self-worth should we share what books people can read on this topic so the first book is un I'm not going to say it, but it's Un-F Yourself. So Un-F-U-C-K Yourself by Gary John Bishop. It's called Unfuck Yourself. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) The second book is Get Out of Your Own Way by Mark Galston. The third book is You Are Enough by Mandy Hale. Guys, just to let you know, um, this past week I spent probably 40 plus hours creating show notes at the end of each episode so if when you click play on our episode and that screen pops up with the play button and the pause button, all you have to do is keep scrolling down or sc- scroll up to go down and you'll see all these show notes that I've created per episode. It's the basically the gist of the topic, your main key point takeaways from each episode. The books that we um, recommend in each episode are listed there with the author name and everything and the quote of that episode. So I list all the information. I have one more book I want to mention because I'm reading it right now and I've noticed, I don't know whether this is intentional with the author or not, um, I've noticed a lot of things come out about self-worth that have resonated with me by how he frames things in the book. And the name of the book is called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And what he's basically doing in this book is he's talking about businesses and how the most successful businesses of all time are not businesses that are focusing on 
beating their last quarter's financial earnings and profits, right? They're, they're businesses that took an incredibly long-term view of how they wanted to disrupt certain things, but they built a culture both with their own employees and with the customers that they serve that makes them so obsessed about the products or services that they offer that they will go with them over any other competitor usually. And what I learned through how he's portraying the stuff in this book it has a lot to do with like these companies measuring their self-worth they're like are we going to care about if we're going to beat this competitor this quarter or next quarter or are we going to care about building the best type of product the best employee relationship the best customer relationship so that for 10 to 20 to 30 years to come we're going to be the ones that people are going to come to because we're doing the best we kind of had. And what it talks about is having the why and the purpose within the culture and the mission of your business, which I think is something that really reflects on me is I constantly have to have a feeling of what I'm doing is not just financially incentive, right? I have to have a feeling that what I'm doing aligns authentically with what I feel is important that I should be doing at that given time. And so that's a really interesting book that if you look at it from that perspective as you're reading or listening to it, although they talk about businesses in it, use it in your own life and say, are these same principles applicable to how I'm living my own life? Like, am I doing things based off exactly what we said, based off external metrics or am I moving towards authentic internal metrics that are driving me forward? That's a good point. They don't even have to. If you want to read that, anyone in business should read that too because we all want to work on ourselves and make ourselves better, right? Um, but all this stuff we know, and me being in HR for a very long time, in corporations and companies, they, in some regards, these are living, breathing entities, okay? There's people here. Like These are real companies with real people there. And the culture... And the driving factor and the why and the purpose, all that comes from top down. And many times your CEO may be very aware of their personal stuff, but they might not be applying that same stuff to their company. And so you're absolutely right. I think that I think this isn't just about us. I think this is also for people, leaders in our business community. You know, you may be there personally or maybe not. I don't know, but you may be there, but you also have to lead your company in the same manner. You can't have that discord like the one way or the other. Um, that was The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Sinek okay. Um, so you guys, all these books and all these stuff will be always linked at the end of each episode. So if you're listening to this podcast in the car or at the gym or at work and you weren't able to write down the book name or write down the link of some, you know, like last week I mentioned this like PDF document that I used to create my goals on. Everything will always be linked and added and written out in the show notes at the bottom. So please be sure to check those out. A lot of time and effort goes into those. So someone please utilize them for me, okay? Let's go to our quote for today. Okay. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your work. Worth, sorry. Two things popped in my head when I saw this quote. One, I used to measure my self-worth based on external people and sources and events, which I try not to do anymore. And they, they that, that thing, those people, those things do not define me. I get it. But also, I thought when I read it again, even my own incorrect perceptions of me don't, doesn't decrease my value of myself like if I'm having a tough day and I failed at something and I'm looking at myself like I'm a piece of shit you know it's wrong that doesn't decrease my value either or my self-worth so 
it's not just about external things for me now. It's also about me. Am I perceiving things incorrectly about myself? And so how to like rise above that and always be in a place of like, I'm just grateful to be alive and I'm doing the best that I can from where I'm at. And that's where my happiness and my worth comes from. Will you read it one more time? Sure. Your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. So what that made me think of when I heard it was what we talked about earlier, where when you go into more your aligned and authentic self, sometimes there's resistance from other people and they may not understand that your highest and best worth while you're here on this planet could be this path that you really feel you have to take, but they don't understand. So they are basically having an inability to see your worth at that time. And that individual's inability to see your worth does not decrease your self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. They don't understand Mm -hmm. from their point of view and their life experiences, right? But that doesn't mean that you internally don't have an understanding and a knowing that this is the right path you should be on because you should innately be able to feel that. Uh, And so that's what that made me think of. Very good, you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please reach out to us with your thoughts, your comments. Uh, Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We're super grateful and appreciative for all the positive feedback we've been getting. Thank you very much for those of you who reached out about our podcast cover. That makes me so happy. Um, Every single month, every single year, every single week, every single episode, I strive to be better and I try to get better at everything, whether it's our technology, our recording, our audio, how we interact with our audience online i'm starting to push things more out on linkedin as well so definitely follow me on linkedin um just google my name on linkedin it'll come up brian's also on linkedin um connect with us uh we love to hear you guys and we're a week into the new year and so far it's been a great year i hope you guys take a lot of value out of today's episode and i'll see you next time thanks for listening to deep thoughts with the dixons If you gained any value from this episode, be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.